0: You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. And today we're going to continue our journey talking about all things business. And uh, my guest is uh, Mr. Robert Phelan. Robert, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Doug. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, Robert's got a specialty. He uh, and his agency do some work helping business owners with fractional CFO, CMO work. But one of the things we thought might be helpful, we wanted to just have a discussion about good planning and good forecasting and things that business owners uh, often overlook quite honestly, at least that's my experience, and uh, ways to help you do a little better with that. So, uh, Robert, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your backstory, uh, how you got into what you're doing, and what your journey has been about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the the opportunity again coming on here. Um, I'll try to keep it at 30,000 feet my, <laughs> as much as possible to keep us rolling. So <clears throat> my, my background, I came from private equity um worked my way up to head analyst on a roughly two and a half billion dollar portfolio out of the midwest um mainly specializing in multifamily, commercial business you know real estate um also at that same time had a wife and a child and realized that hey the the hours that i was working the amount i was traveling at the towards the end of that career was um you know, needed to change. So I, I made the crazy jump, actually, into entrepreneurship. We moved to Colorado Springs, kind of you know, refreshed on life, got now the then two kids uh, closer to the grandparents and really thought, hey, I've got investment management experience. I like building relationships with people. Let's get into financial advising, got my licenses. Um, realized along the way that I enjoy talking with business owners, um, significantly those that are in that kind of hockey stick curve of growth or success and realize the you know kind of the limits of the regulation of the bounds that i had to fall in inside the licenses i had they didn't allow me to fully commit to that so ended up transitioning out of that um starting over once again to work as you know more focus on um the cfo side eventually we added the cmo side able to work with everything from startups to tech companies um, we've had a few companies that have been on Shark Tank in the past as well um, kind of everywhere in between so it's been a fun journey um, they, just working and talking <clears> to people
0: yeah well just to pique my curiosity so uh, how was the uh, Shark Tank experience for your client companies
1: yeah, so we got them. Let's see, we had one just a few minutes or a few months after they had their shark tank experience, and then the other company we had was a couple years uh, before. Mo- both in, in both scenarios, they were sticking by the valuations that they believed. So they both walked out without a deal. Um, and honestly, looking back for both of them, they're they're likely better off because of it and what they were able to retain control in, in the company for. Um, but it was really exciting to see. It's it's interesting to see what a close knit community that is behind the scenes of what they had to go through.
0: It's interesting to me for those of us that work in the entrepreneur space how frequently you run into somebody that does have a Shark Tank story, either um, either they themselves have been there or they have worked closely with a company. Uh, my shark, stay, shark Tank story is I had a, a next door neighbor in uh, in an office complex we were in and uh, I had my company and she had hers right next door and she made it to Shark Tank and got a deal with Barbara Corcoran. It was a clothing line that she had. It was, it was a quite a novelty idea that uh, went really well and um, it was it was fun to watch her go through that and we were kind of cheering her along you know all right you know go 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 but it's hard to believe how long that franchise of a show has been around i mean this is we're talking 20 years of of uh tv there and uh pretty interesting stories along the way absolutely no, it's neat to see the whole
1: new generation of entrepreneurs coming out that were initially inspired by those pitches and that show as well. Yeah. Myself
0: yeah. included. So, yeah. So um, really, really interesting. Bull, tell us a little more about how you typically engage and at what stage you kind of come alongside with an entrepreneur and, and what's the usual story when people reach out to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll say it's been three years of learning <laughs> and, and making painful failures over and over and over again <clears throat> to continue to learn. Um, I think we went down the traditional path of, Hey, you have a business, you have a pulse, you want to talk to me and you have, you know, you're willing to work in the model that we wanted um, to work in. And what we discovered over time is like, there's specific criteria metrics values that we need to align with on the people that we work with, or we're simply setting ourselves up for failure. I think if the biggest thing I've learned through those relationships is, you know, where relationships both business and personal go wrong, uh, as in deferring expectations. Um, so we had certain expectations of our clients and their ability to perform and grow. And and to some extent, the love that they had for their business, we found wasn't there as much as we would have liked in some scenarios. Um, so we we really rearranged how we bet. So now, right now, the people we're working with are typically right about to cross that million dollar Mark of revenue, um, or they have so anywhere from one to $10 million of revenue. They've really proven that, hey, we could bring revenue in, we could prove the concept out. Now where we can really provide our most value is in that scaling and growing process. So what what I found, those companies that are at that 15 million mark, we don't get as excitement and enjoyment. You're really crossing into that phase where you're starting to bring some of the services that we provide in-house and add a million dollars market revenue you're probably not making enough revenue where you're going to have full-time people on your staff for this work so it's kind of that sweet spot um and then for us it's also the interesting factor of like that's a really exciting time in a company where they have opportunities to grow and scale and they've got some revenue and people around them uh, to continue to do that so most of the time they're coming up with a pain point uh a lot of the conversations start around tax funding where they have a CPA or bookkeeper that they're traditionally not excited about working with, they're happy, just don't understand what they should actually be doing for them um, because we, we do traditionally start out in heavy tax planning to begin our relationship. After that, it moves into more of like, Hey, we've made it to this point. What do we do now? Cause now that they've lived in that world of like no money, cash straps, you know, just barely paying their expenses, you know, taking money just to pay expenses out of, Now they're home and now they're looking to the future of like, okay, we've made it this far. Like what do we have to do now to take that next step?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I I think we alluded to it, that um, it's not uncommon that people that find themselves opening businesses don't really have a business background for the most part. Occasionally somebody does, they come out of something where they had some financial control type of responsibility and background. And, you know, they apply that to the business and that's great. But most entrepreneurs don't. They either have a, a real passion for what they're doing or they've got some money and they're wanting to roll it into maybe even a franchise model where they can go generate some, some new revenue. And they quickly learn that oops, there's probably something to this business that uh, I don't understand or don't know about. So uh, do you have kind of an initial, uh, I don't know, a checklist, health check sort of thing that you run people through?
1: Yeah, great question. So our, our approach has been is like, there's no five steps to wealth <laughs> in, in business. Uh, but we typically like to start with, We have to do a deep dive into like, what's so in your business today, like what actually are your numbers? Um, What have, what's your planning been in the past? What staff do you have? You know, get a really good, clear feel uh, for what, what your numbers look like today. One thing where we take that an extra step with most people that they haven't done before is looking at your business as a line item under personal financial statement. Your business is likely outside of your home, your most valuable asset, and hopefully will far surpass your home at some point very quickly. Um, so, trying to pin down at least a simple valuation on that on that model, and looking at what is our net worth statement today based off of that, because then that helps us start to dictate to make sure every asset on our li- on our sheet is working for us, and every liability we're minimizing, making the most um, you know most efficient use of once we get a clear feel for where are we today, then it's about where do we want to go? Um, so there's a lot of dreaming and strategy. So that first stage, I tell people, you're, you're gonna bang your head against the wall because that's not exciting. Stuff is, you know, us and entrepreneurs, we want to live in vision land and about the future, not in addressing what we need to address inside of our business most times. Yeah. Um, so after we get through that part, it's looking towards the future. And then of course, the next part, is how do we get there, um, and then it becomes a constant cycle of that coming back to where are we today? Where do we want to go? How do we get there? Um, you know, from that standpoint? What
0: what sort of uh, I'll call them disciplines do you try to instill with uh, these business owners that maybe <clears throat> don't otherwise have that business background? Good question. Uh, so one thing
1: I've got a I've got a pretty strong opinion of financial forecasting as a whole um, and how it mis-serves and misrepresents like what we should actually be doing inside of our business. Like I, The traditional forecasting, I mean, if you're looking online or you don't have that business background or even those folks that are coming out of college with a, fin- you know, a financial background, you know, when we're building a business, we try to forecast one year, five year, 10 years, like what could that be? And that's important to look at so that we have a direction of where we're headed. But in practicality, most of the people we talk to have tried, they sit down in December and forecast for the next year, and we hit them in June, and they haven't looked at that forecast or compared to that forecast because it's it, it doesn't matter anymore because we're either so far off or plans have changed and we've pivoted in a new direction. Right. Uh, so I think it's exciting to get your team excited about where you're headed and what the opportunity is in the company. I think it's great for raising capital um, from investors. You got to show you're looking to the future as far as like defining what success is inside of your company, it's really a poor measure ongoing. Um, that's, that's one piece. Um, we do subscribe to some of the profit first model. We try to simplify it down into where they're paying themselves first, making sure they're easily setting money aside for taxes and setting aside profit as well. Um, those are the, the main ones we traditionally start with. Um, and you know, there's multiple layers that we, we go on from there.
0: Yeah, good. Well, uh, like I said, my, my experience, a lot of times entrepreneurs I've got, they've got a a reasonably, uh, maybe I'll use the word thriving business, but they really don't have a good handle on the financial tracking and modeling or, or forecasting. And, uh, being an old banker myself, you know the classic joke is: I'm sure I still have money. I still have checks, <laughs> and um, that's about the extent of the financial knowledge that somebody applies. And I don't want to sound disrespectful for anybody out there that's listening and says, "Oh, I've got it better than that, Doug." You're 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 just really way off the mark. All I'm I, I confess I'm doing some broad generalizations perhaps over dramatizing to prove the point. But uh, my point is, there really is something to knowing your numbers and learning what the dynamic of your business really is. And as you drill into the numbers, if you are in a business that's not simple cash at the point of sale, you're going to be looking at receivables and payables and other things that impact the timing of when you're going to get your money and learning how to manage that and work around that grow that and uh, be on top of it is is sometimes a big challenge
1: yeah no i mean i'm sure it sounds like you've seen it multiple times i think i think the other challenge too is that's when we're out talking with other entrepreneurs, it's really easy to put our best foot forward and only talk about the great things and not the problems. And, you know, especially when it comes to finances, particularly that's a touchy subject for most folks in general. Um, But what folks don't realize is like the lack of clarity that they have in their business around these topics, like the person sitting next to them and the person sitting next to them and next to them are likely dealing with the same thing. I mean, most people, when we ask how do they... You know check the financial health of their company it's i looked at the bank account today and there's you know to your point there's still money in there um and 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 that's that's like the there's a company worked with that did four million dollars in revenue and that was the way that they checked the health of their business was hey there's there's money in the bank i know i got money coming in money's going out it's still there you know we're we're okay um so yeah so
0: I've got a good friend that's a business coach, and he actually goes so far as to tell his clients that the um, in his version of a cash flow forecast is far more important than a PL statement is, especially in the early going on a business, because as as soon as you draw that bank account down to zero, you're stuck. You're you have no ability to move forward and there is a way to track that and forecast the timing of those uh, the money that's going to flow in and the money that needs to flow out so when you start looking at things like payroll every two weeks or perhaps every week i know some companies that do pay weekly you know, you got to write a big check. Are you going to have money to cover it? And if so, you know, where's it coming from? Who are you counting on? And if that person slips up and fails to pay, what are you going to do? And those are all, you know, really critical elements. And that's really one of the reasons I talk to people and say, you don't understand what it means to be an entrepreneur until you've been the one sweating that cash flow and you know can I cover payroll on Friday geez you know yeah. how, how am I going to do that yeah absolutely
1: absolutely and that's I mean it's it's interesting to see that dynamic to your point of like that's one of our criteria for the people that we work with is we want a story there of where they had their back against the wall because if we know they went through that and came out of that um, it gives you a whole new perspective on your business you're passionate for what you do um, but that's one of those not, you know, intangibles um, that we absolutely, that we absolutely look for. Yeah. And it's interesting to your point of like the P&L, we had somebody come to us and it's like, Hey, our, our, our P&L so- shows that we, we net $30,000 in a month, but our business, like our bank account still goes down. We don't understand why. And it's like, the problem is your, your debt payments, you know, and other things that you're paying on your balance sheet aren't showing up on your, your P&L. So to your, to your friends, you know, to the business coach you mentioned, um, you know, he's exactly right of like your PL does not reflect what goes in and out of your bank account.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused or get tripped up. They, they know they have to, Pay those credit cards and pay those loans, and 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 again, you know, make payroll, pay rent checks, et cetera, and not all of that hits the P and L. Uh, and it may be a very accurate statement that you have a profitable company, but your cash flow picture is very much a problem. So uh, you got to really work on the methodologies and timing for that so that you can get it in a a better position. You mentioned uh, your own business that you went from this fractional CFO and you added some CMO activities. Talk to us about that. What do you do in that space?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the pain points we found is like when we took the approach through the lens of finance, we got the budget straightened out. We had a clear picture of where we are gonna go. We understood where we wanted to go for growth. The next thing is fueling that growth, which traditionally in most businesses looks like external um, marketing and putting your voice and name out to the world. Um, So that's when we brought on more of a team around um, the marketing side of the house to focus on um, really about the strategy and asking good questions up front. And then we have some ability to focus on the tactical side. We look at it more, again, back to that fractional CMO side of like we're going to sit in the seat of helping you put the right people in the right places at the table. Um, and we're, you know, we're also the type of, um, we want to focus and we look at the return of those dollars very heavily just with our, our financial focus. So we're not just trying to shotgun blast and try everything that's under the sun. Um, but at this, at the same time, what steps can we start to take to ramp up what we're doing to get our message and our story out there?
0: Good. No, that's really helpful. Well, I'll tell you what, Robert, we're going to take a short break here and drop a commercial in the show. When we come back, folks, we're going to continue to talk about some of the steps you can take to uh, shore up this uh, financial area, as well as some marketing things that we'll talk about. So hang with us. We'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness, too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. DougThorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance
1: and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's DougThorpe.com.
0: All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and my guest today is Robert Phelan. We've been talking about some of his work in the realm of uh, being a fractional, fractional, if I can get it out, CFO and CMO. Uh, while we were in the green room during the break, uh, Robert and I were talking about the idea. We happened to be filming this show Uh, near year-end 2022. And for a lot of people, this is the season when you start thinking ahead to the tax bill that's going to come due soon. So talk to us about tax picture, Robert. What are some of the considerations that businesses that you help normally uh, look at?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And this, yeah, definitely, definitely. If it's not on your mind, it should absolutely be on your mind at this point (laughs) of the game. And you know, as we're recording this in November for everyone. Um, So where where we start up is there's typically a disconnect between the CPA and the business center as well, because a lot of times we've come to the place of where you know the business center comes to us and says, "I just feel like they're they're not proactive." enough and you know and a lot of times we discover hey it's a bookkeeper that you're leaning on for tax advice and what we've found is like the best bookkeepers are typically the worst tax planners and the best tax planners are you know usually not the ones you want keeping your book so my encouragement is if you can separate the two or find the cpa firm that has those separated out into particular skill sets if we're talking about tax plans tax plans with your cpa in february for the prior year we're too late on most of most of the things um the other thing i like to throw out there too is a lot of cpa the tax plans that we found are heavily focused inside of this one tax year maybe looking into next year so they're they're really good about looking at what happened over the past year what we try to caution is like i've seen situations where we've taken accelerated depreciation we've tried to get our expenses you know Increase our expenses, defer some income so that our NOI is low. So we have less taxable income in this year. And then they go and try to get a mortgage for a house or a second house the following year. And the bank's looking at them like, you made $30,000 last year or $80,000. Like, we can't give you this mortgage. And you're sitting there wondering, you know, okay, it helped me save taxes, but it, also prohibited me from going after future goals. So it's always important to keep up, you know, where are those goals in the next five years? Um, we typically try to encourage folks to max out the 24% bracket. The reason for that be, you know, the next jump right, you know, as of for 2022 jumps up into 32%. The, the line below that's going to be um, 22%. So there's not a major difference uh, for anyone there. So, Inside of that, you're really trying to maximize, hey, where do we fall inside that tax bracket? And that's where a CPA can really come in um, and help with that. Um, of course, disclaimer, this isn't tax legal advice or anything like that. Um, some of those things to look out for is like as you're approaching, you know, I we try to steer away from the accounts that say, hey, this is just the rule of thumb. When you hit 75 grand in income, you should be an escort. Like, that's not always, not always the case. Um, so make sure if you're just hearing... You know standard rules of thumbs, you're getting a, a second look into that. There's things like in the tech companies that we work with, um, R&D tax credits are huge right now. Um, just getting taxes directly off um, your bill by having reaching out to an engineering firm and getting a study done. So there are multiple things that you can do. The you know the what I always what I always share is like with the clients that we work with, most of the time you could get your tax spill down to zero. That's, you know, with every pro, there's also the con of it. Um, And you realize that, you know, so in in some cases you got to consider, do we want this money for next year to invest outside of our business and really transfer that business success into personal wealth? Or are we trying to keep as much as we can (laughs) away from the IRS at this point? Because that's what our accountant and everyone around us is telling us to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, there, there's no doubt that there are strategies to be embraced and, and multiple alternatives. And I think the real bottom line is, to your point, finding the right credible source that can give you good, solid advice that is well-founded and not skewed one way or or another, you know, um, I've certainly known of situations where owners have gone out and they've gotten real close to their business attorney and he's sitting there over dinner, giving them some tax strategy advice. And I'm like, uh, and are you really following that? Are you, you know, are you committed (laughs) to that? Have you even gotten that checked out by a, a CPA that is qualified to really opine on on the combinations? And to that point, if, if I've learned anything about business, I think it's important that you know when you when you hire your professionals like attorneys, accountants. Uh, and and probably others. I'm I'm also thinking of insurance agent providers. That's always a big ticket item in most businesses. Um you really need to find out if if they can counsel you on what you're doing and they can hear what your goals and objectives are as opposed to just simply presenting, you know, sort of what you might call a final answer on the here here's what you've got to do. <laughs> um certainly in the case of the attorneys there's always options you know the law may be set up one way to say one thing but depending on other circumstances it could be a whole other conclusion and possibly a whole other strategy if you you know take other things into account so The best professionals like that come at it with the willingness to be good counselors to help you look at the pros and cons and the ups and downs and the options. And then you make a final business decision about what you think is best for you and the company.
1: For sure. Yeah. And I mean, to to your point, like the numbers can say something like the numbers can look like in theory if we were just looking at it um, from that perspective. The numbers may say we need to do this. Right. But if you step back and look at it through the lens of, like, what what do you value for yourself? What do you want out of your life for your team and your family? Like, that may give you a completely different answer. And that's likely the answer. Like, that would be the, the path that we would encourage going forward. In.
0: Right, right. So um, back to just sort of standing up uh, in a business and getting started with adding the discipline of some of this Sort of oversight and control. Do you have any kind of standard framework you try to direct people to follow?
1: Yeah, so we're I I, I go back to again like that one year forecast in most cases with the the scale and the growth path that folks are on. Typically, is irrelevant by the time they get back to that point. Like we need to have a target. Um, we've backed into. Um, the 12 week year model where we're big proponents of, big fans of, and a lot of times in practice, that looks like moving to more of a quarterly model where we're reflecting on those 12 weeks or that quarter as our year. So when we look about our planning, like we're breaking it out into individual months and from there in two weeks. And we feel like, you know, as, as an entrepreneur myself, like I, I don't have a clear idea. Like every time I think I have a very clear idea of what the next five years looks like, it absolutely changes entirely um so us backing down into hey what can we control and focus on in the next three months i think it makes it easier not only to grasp from the beginning but it also is easier to implement because if you come in and you tre- i'm i'm sure in your work with your clients if you know you don't come in with here are the thousand things that you need to do and you need to start these today because you never know right. walk out that door it's not, <laughs> right. not going to happen so it's, absolutely it's, every everything can be measured but not everything should be measured <laughs> that's
0: for right sure. Right. Yeah. Again, I, I'm probably sounding a little bit like a broken record, but I, I think um, for a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, the the focus on getting the company started, getting it up out of the ground, getting some revenue coming in, uh, those are certainly noble goals and purposes, and 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 that ought to be your focus, but. In pretty quick order, as soon as the cash does start flowing, there's some other things to really get into in terms of tracking, reporting, analyzing. Um, And and I think the company that has rocked along and maybe been in business for a couple of years and has created some, for lack of a better word, I'm going to call them bad habits on financial tracking and monitoring, um, it's going to be important for you to really dig into that and set it up correctly, you know, create for yourself a proper profit and loss statement and a proper balance sheet so that um, if you ever do decide you need to go get some financing, the you know, the banks are certainly going to ask for that information and even independent investors who are smart about their money, they're going to ask for that kind of information.
1: Absolutely. And it's much easier to deal with it at that stage of the business than to continue to kick the ball down the road. Right. That's for sure. So, right. I'm, I'm curious if while, while I have you, I'd, I'd love to hear your, do you have like a, your most interesting story of a client that you've worked with or ex, um,
0: experience that you typically like to share? Um. Well, I'm, I'm, Got several, <laughs> several that come to mind. And it, it, for me, in every case, it's been a little bit mind numbing. And I'm saying that on my part. Um, and partly because I'm, I'm biased being a, having come out of the banking world, been a banker for 20 years prior to uh, starting into my run at, as an entrepreneur and now coach. Um, I've run into companies that have been up for a good bit of time, and they're paying for a bookkeeper, but they're not asking for uh, a a review and a compilation by a a good CPA and getting a, a set of attested financials, at least on an annual basis. They're kind of ignoring that and and sometimes the answer is well that's going to cost me extra to get that you know it's like yeah but <laughs> you know you how do you even know if you have a temperature or not if you don't have the thermometer telling you that you do and that that's kind of an oversimplified word picture um i have engaged with clients that have very robust businesses, I'm talking multi-million dollar businesses, and they still don't yet have a financial discipline about, uh, you know, periodic statements. I mean, whether that's monthly income review, monthly budget review, or even quarterly analysis of things, and it's like, how do you even know what you're doing? How, How do you know that you may see the top side revenue number flowing through but what's happening with your margins you know are you maintaining or growing a profitability or are your you know the margin that you've got is it eroding on you or have changes happened in your business that uh, you know for every dollar you take in you're taking out less and less in in profit and all of those are critical measurements in my mind that uh an owner has got to know about and i reflect on i i i mentioned i come from a banking background and at our particular bank we invested a lot in an internal system that helped us calculate month over month. We calculated customer profitability. I mean, everybody that was a customer of the bank was in this database and we fed that data from all the different aspects of the bank, uh, loan systems, deposit systems, other fee-based service systems. It fed into this thing we knew the profit margin on different products and we rolled it up into the customer views so that we could see and, and if a customer who had run a lot of dollars through the bank but wasn't making us any money we had a whole different discussion with them when they came asking for a new loan and wanted to you know get a cut rate on their interest it was like no <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh you're already only at maybe, you know, 200 basis point margin for us mm-hmm. and that's not our target. So, um uh, your next loan request the price goes up and uh you know, we weren't afraid to have that discussion. Sure, so sure. it it was a it was very much a give and take negotiation. So, um yeah. But I learned a lot of discipline on that. And subsequently, I've gone into customers and I've looked at if they've got multiple product lines, for instance, I'll say, well, do you know your product profitability? If you've got three different levels of your service or your uh, widget that you're selling, do you know what you're really making on each one of those? And do you know what the margins are? You know, Do you know what your all-in costs are? Have you broken down your numbers and allocated properly to each of those lines of business? And it's oftentimes easy to realize you think you're making money on this big whiz bang product you've got, but you're actually losing money and it's getting made up by everything else. And yet you want to go out and promote that. And it's like, no, you probably want to (laughs) shut that one down and focus on the ones that do make you money
1: absolutely absolutely it's it's interesting to see those scenarios where a lot of times I i have at least in some of the cases I've run into it's like the entrepreneur themselves like underlyingly like they they know or have a feeling to that point but they have no data to back it up um it's almost that worrisome of like if I dive into this what am I going to discover you know that's not yeah. you know my business isn't actually what I thought it was as well
0: um, yeah 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 well, all right. Well, Robert, uh, tell everybody if they're interested in talking to you directly, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My favorite, my favorite way to connect is just on LinkedIn. So if you find me, Robert Phelan, Epheson Frank, E-H-L-E-N on LinkedIn, I think I'm the only Phelan or Robert <laughs> with that, that last name on LinkedIn, so it should be pretty easy to find. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be some things in the show notes here, so I'm um, more yeah. than happy to connect and just have more conversations.
0: All right. Well, we will share that, folks, in the show notes, as Robert alluded to. So uh, we'll have that link and information there. So um, I'm going to say thank you, Robert. appreciate you being on the show. It's uh, been a good one. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate you having me. All right. Well, I do want to remind everybody, if you're listening to this on your favorite streaming service, we do have a video version over on YouTube, channel by the same name. It's Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, take a look at our archives and all the video episodes we've logged over there. Please hop over, join us, leave us a comment, subscribe to the channel if you're interested, and we'll look forward to hearing from you. So for now, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, and thank you very much. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit dougthorpe.com.